Pastor Kevin, who was in Bernie on Sunday. Praise the Lord. Bless you, brother. Well, amen. Well, we had a good time in Bernie. I hope you had a good time here. Uh, I hear good things about Zach and his preaching and what people are getting out of it. So that's wonderful. I think that's a great thing. I do want to uh, mention a couple of things to you. Oh, well, you can keep praying for us. Uh, the pastor down there, Pastor Dale, he had surgery, and so he's still going to be out of sorts. So they asked me before I ever got in the door if I'd come back next week, too. So I said, well, yeah, I think I can. I don't have anything on my schedule keeping me from that. And we had a, a really good service, a good time. And uh, it's funny because I preached revivals there 20 years ago. And I asked, how many were here the last time I preached and you heard me? And there was only about 15 to 20 at the most. That's the turnover that happens in the United States of America and in the Bible Belt even. That, you know, back then, you know, people scatter. You know, and that's the devil. Uh, that's his heart is to divide the sheep and scatter them. And many are by the wayside. They need to return. That was the word that the Lord gave me at the beginning of the year, that we were going to have an evangelism year for the churches. And I believe that. I believe many people are going to return that are not in church. Some have been out of sorts, and they're going to come back. When they come back, they're going to see a much younger version of me. <laughs> oh, and maybe uh, with a different delivery and style. Definitely better hair. You know, that uh, they'll see Zach here instead of me. But uh, another thing I wanted to bring up to you, how many of y'all know Dave had a little fender bender? Yeah. Well, some didn't know that, I guess. But their van was very damaged, and they did not have full coverage, but I think they will after it gets fixed. But uh, anyway, with a probably a high deductible, but... Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, two families have pledged to help them. And the thing is, to fix it with all new parts was $7,200. But the people I'm working with on getting their van fixed, uh, he spent a good bit of a morning looking around for used parts that he could put in here and there and brought it down to $5,600, 56 to be exact. And uh, anyway, one family pledged 2000 and I don't mind telling you my wife and I pledged money also, but there's $3,000 that would be available, so we need to help them if possible. They're on Social Security and... Terry, you don't mind me saying they're over 70. But uh, they're all, Dave's in there helping count the offering. But uh, they're over 70. They're on limited income. And so we want to try to help them. And if anybody here, I'm not going to receive a basket offering because that sets a precedent. 
that then everybody that has a problem, I've got to take offerings up for them. And the reason why I'm making an appeal is because Dave and Tara have worked hard in this ministry the whole time since I started the church. And they were with, well, she was part of the group that would come and when I would come to town and preach at the radio station. She was even part of that group. And they have helped out a lot, and they help pick up people with their vehicle and bring them to church. And so if anybody would wish to join with us, you know, we need to raise about $2,700 more. So any bit helps. If you had 50, 100, 500, or even 1,000, whatever God laid on anybody's heart, and we'll continue to pray, and I'll put out maybe some emails or something. But uh, if anybody can help, see me after church, and I'll talk to you about it. But we're talking about called and chosen. How many of you know that when you got saved, God put his finger on you, and he anointed you, he anointed everybody that's a part of his kingdom with a purpose. And so you're called. But now, if to be chosen, there's a matter of going through the process. Everybody say process. Well, the process is the growing pains. And people go through struggles and they go through conflicts, sometimes sicknesses. How many of y'all have been through some sicknesses? Yeah. I mean, to tell you, you could have cancer or something, you make your way through. I remember Rocky had a tumor on her brain. Sister Virginia had one. Becky Simpson had one. And it seemed like we had another one. Susan Cooper. Uh, and probably, I don't know if there was another one or not. But it seemed like the devil just started attacking our ladies with tumors. Fran went through a COVID experience where she was really on her deathbed and in a coma for how long? A month, she was in a coma. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a miracle because most people that are in the hospital even for a week from COVID and they're over 50 probably didn't make it. A lot of people didn't make it. it was, they had a bad bout with COVID. COVID, I tell you, that's a dastardly name, you know, like the flu or anything else. But anyway... God allows us the privilege of suffering, of going through things. God does not put sickness on us. Sometimes we put ourselves in position to receive something bad from someone because we happen to be in proximity at the time, whatever. But we do go through things, but the idea is that God is going to help us come through it. Okay, our, our text scripture all along has been the first, 2016 of Matthew, so the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So sometimes when you want to be first, you end up being last. I could go to the little story of the tortoise and the hare, or the turtle and the bunny. You know, the bunny, the hare... He liked to run, but he ran all over the place. He, he thought, i got plenty of time. That turtle's so slow, I can run all over here. And, but 
you know, the turtle is the one that won the race. He endured to the finish line. Sometimes it's not the ones who are fast starters that win. So the first shall be last sometimes and the last shall be first because you're willing to lay your life down for the kingdom of God and let him take your life and use it for something tremendous. Then we see in Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I would dare say if I ask you tonight, everybody would raise your hand, so I'm going to do it. How many of y'all love God? Well, I was right. Everybody raised their hand. You know, well, what did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, you do my commandments. Then it gets a little bit, ouch, because some people have a hard time relinquishing their rights and yield their life completely to Jesus Christ. And that's what it takes. If Jesus says, go do this, go do that, you know, and uh, by the way, Rick Timbush called me the other night. He's back on his telephone, and he, and he sounded pretty good on the phone. He, he said, I'm still going, PK. He said, tell the folks at church that I miss them. And he said, I'm going to show up one day. And, and I said, well, you know you had a good word from Garland Bilbo. He didn't know you. And he pointed his finger right at him and said, God's got a new liver for you. Well, you know what? It's been about a year almost since that prophetic word. But Garland did not know he had cirrhosis of the liver. You know, so that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, and he saw him from afar, as you'd say. And so Rick is hanging on to that word. He's believing. Dave and I usually go see him on Friday mornings. And always, you know, Rick can be a little surly sometimes. So I have to tell you the truth. I bait the hook a little bit. I bring him a nutty buddy bar because he likes chocolate, and either that or a candy bar. But uh, he's always happy when he sees us coming because he knows he's getting something sweet. But anyway, he's still standing in the gap believing for his healing. That's part of the process sometimes. You've got to go through it. Sometimes you don't go around it. You've got to go through it to get to it, as they always say or as a lot of people have said. So all things, he said, work together for good to those who love God. That's the first part. All things, not just a few things, not just the things that are cheap, or not just the things that aren't as hard or difficult. He said, for all things work together for good to those who love God. And so... The way you love God is by putting him before yourself and loving him first. And then the comma, to those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? His purpose is for us to love one another, first of all. Love him first and then love one another. Then his purpose is also for us to share the good news with others. You know, how on earth could you think God would be pleased with you if you weren't willing to tell others the good news that God loves them too, that he has a plan and a purpose for their lives? You know, wherever I go, I, at Bernie, 
Uh, I walked back to a young man. I won't call his name because who knows who's watching on here. But uh, I walked right back to him about two-thirds through my message, and I looked at him, and I said, God wants you. And I said, would you stand? And he stood. He's a tall guy. He's as tall as me. He looked me right in the eye. He's a young guy, about 28 or 30. And I asked him his name, and it was a Bible name. So that was significant. I said, isn't that funny? You got a name right out of the Bible. I said, God really loves you. You know that, don't you? He said, yes, sir. I said, did you know you have a calling on your life? He hung his head and said, yes. And then I began to minister to him and pray for him, laid my hands on him, and tears came out of his eyes. And I said, God just wants you to give him a chance. Give your heart completely to him and let God work in your life. He wants to transform you because I couldn't help it. I had to go back to Isaiah 58 about repairing uh, restoring the breach and repairing, repairing the breach and restoring the streets, you know, and about people being used to change your homes, your neighborhoods, your city, your area, wherever you are, your families, your friends. You can all be useful to God to change other people. You can be a living testimony to be read by men and women. And so, I ministered to him, challenged him, and he really seemed like he received it and accepted it. And then afterwards, they told me who he was and how he came about in that church and so on. So it was a really neat story, you know, to see how God showed him to me and spoke that word to him. But he is for us, see? He, he's going to work it all together for good, all of it, all the bad stuff you've been through. Anybody been through some bad stuff in your life? Yeah, I remember a few bumps in the road. Yeah, Randy's waving at me back there. <laughs> but, you know, the word bad is not written over you anymore. For God works it all together for good. He works all that bad that happened and the good because there's always good in there too, you know. No matter what, sometimes people go through things. They go through things like divorce, and they think, oh, it's just terrible. But then they look and they say, oh, I've got two kids or three kids or four kids, and I've got ten grandkids. Or I don't have that many. I've got five. But that's four girls and a boy so far. Almost a basketball team. But And I heard a neat thing. Zach, did you see? On Sunday, our grandson Judah, Alicia's little boy, three and a half years old, saw them praying for Stephanie, Pastor Ken's wife. She's got a degenerative disc or disease, bone disease. And she's believing for a miracle. Well, Judah, I guess he told Nick, is that what it was? Somebody told me. He told Nick he wanted to pray for her. So he took him over there, I guess. And Judah laid his hand on Stephanie. And then Elisha said when he got home, he laid his hand on Mia and prayed over her. I said, man, he's three years old and he's getting with it, man. I tell you, that's awesome to see. You know, that they observe so much. They're like sponges.
But, you know, no matter what bad has happened, there's also good that happens. Good that comes through our families and around us, you know, to touch other people. And I don't see Rico here tonight, but we went to see him last Saturday when the men had a breakfast. And I specifically went there to see him, and he was so happy to see us. And he told me, I'm still sober, you know, which is a delightful thing to hear, that he's still hanging in there. But he told me he's going to get back in church. I didn't see him today, but he's coming. Others are coming. I can hear the hoof beats of the horses or the foot beats of the people that are going to be coming to get back in the flow of doing something for the kingdom of God. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hey, if God is for you, who can be against you? He's saying nobody can. Man, I tell you what, if you ever felt like Superman or Superwoman, this is the time. If God be for you, who can be against you? If you're willing to lay your life down before Him and serve Him completely with all your heart, your, your mind, your strength, everything that you have, He is for you. Nobody can stop you. Nobody can be against you. That's just a point. The devil's going to go bother somebody else when you're completely sold out to Christ. Amen? Anyway, let's look at Psalm 84. It's one of my favorite passages, by the way. Or was there another? Oh, no, I read that. Okay. Psalm 84, verse 4 through 7. Another one of my favorite passages. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. This is a psalmist talking to the Lord. They will still be praising you. Selah. You know what Selah means? It means to rest or re have a repose, so to speak. Or it means little rock also. So you can be like a little rock. You know, when Jesus saw Peter, he said, Simon, you're not Peter, you're, you're not Simon, you're Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. He wasn't talking about building it on Peter. He's talking about the revelation of who Christ is, the cornerstone. But Peter was a rock in the wall. He was one of the first ones. And we are little rocks that God can use to build up the wall around the kingdom of God to help people change. But he goes on and says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. You're blessed if your strength is in Him. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. That means your heart is set on going through. You know, I've shared it before, but there was, uh, and don't anybody be offended by the word Negro, but the Negro spirituals that they used to, the slaves used to sing. They had a song that said, I'm going through, oh, I'm going through. I don't care what the rest of the world decides to do, for I've made up my mind, yeah. I'm going through. I'm going to serve Jesus, and that's all you have to do. I made up that part because I didn't remember the rest of it. But praise God, I'm a little prophetic. I could do that. But anyway, the, that old song was, I'm going through. Are you going through? 
Man, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going through. I'm not giving up. And that's what he's saying here. They, they've got their hearts set on going through to the end, making it to the finish line, bringing a few people, a few folks with you when you come. And he said, as they pass through, that was what I was talking about before. How many of y'all have passed through some places? He said, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. That valley of Baca, and things grow in the valley. They usually don't grow so much on the mountaintop, but they grow down in the valley. And that valley of Baca, it means the valley of tears. Tears are a very important thing. So much so that the Word of God says that in heaven, God has those angels, somebody bottling up all your tears that you weep here on earth because you're serving Him. Have any of y'all ever wept? Man, I've seen some people weep on the altar. I knew they were getting through to the Master. They'd given their lives to Him. And so He bottles those tears. Tears are important to God. You pray those tears in the valley. How many times have I seen people that when they start sharing their testimony or their story, they start to weep and cry? I've got a few here. I've seen Pastor Ken weep and laugh at the same time. Something about that. Hank Bowles does that also. He gets to weep laughing and he just cries tears right down his face. I said, Hank, you guys, I tell you, I don't know if I can weep and laugh at the same time. But I've cried a few tears. I've laughed a lot. But that valley of Baca is a place where he says he'll make those tears into a spring. He'll make that place where rain forms pools of water. Water, you cannot live without water. So what is God doing? He's providing through your tears He's bringing the rain. I tell you what, you cry and God rains down from heaven. It's an awesome thing. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Zion is the top of a mount where David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to, where they didn't have a veil in front of it. They danced and played music and sacrificed and he, you know, it was just a wonderful thing. It, it's like a church that doesn't have so much liturgy that it chokes you to death with religion. But it's where there's worship. You know, remember what happened over there at, at uh, the theological seminary over there in Kentucky, Asbury? Many times they've had outbreaks at Asbury, and it seemed to always proceed a big revival that God does all over. And of course, then we start hearing reports at all these different schools and universities and churches where that revival spirit was breaking out to where people couldn't help themselves. They'd go in that revival, they'd come up and start uh, confessing their sins and break down and weep and people would weep and glorify God. And, and so there's going to be a revival and probably what we're going to see is a lot of crying. You know, and it's going to bring the rain. It's going to bring God's rain. 
like that song, let it rain, let it rain. Open the windows of heaven. Amen. I wish I wouldn't forget things when I'm standing in front of people like this. I guess I was never meant to be a singer. I like to sing, but it's just, it's rotten when you don't remember words. I have to make up the words. But let it rain, Lord. He says, go ahead. Cry. Weep before me. I'll let it become a spring. Spring up, O well, within my soul. Spring up, O well, and make me whole. Yeah, we want to have the heartbeat of heaven, don't we? Let it rain. Let it pour. Let it just come out and fill us up to overflow. Hallelujah. I thought a little preaching that. But you know, the fact is, what's my point there, Die? Remind me, number two. Hear the words of promises and blessings. See, God wants you to hear his promises. He wants you to hear his blessings. He wants it to rain down on you. Well, the first thing was blessing comes through tears and struggles. That was my first point. This is the second point here. Once you go through, you get to that place where you can hear the words of his promise. And those words of his promise, yeah, blessings come through struggles and tears. And then we, she's playing with me now. But hear the words of the promises and the blessings. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's go on. Numbers 23, 18 through 22. Let's see what else we, we find out here. 18 through 22. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God, see, uh, he was trying to pay, I think, Balaam to speak curses against Israel. But, but Balaam, he was just a seer. He had to say what he saw and he had to say what he heard. And it was from God. Whether you think he's uh, similar to God or, or Baptist or non-denominational or Methodist, you know, it doesn't matter. The neat thing, that Cuban pastor down in Foley when we were there two weeks ago, he came out of the Methodist church. And I'm not talking about the modern-day Methodist in the United States. Some of the churches are very liberal. I don't mind saying it. But not all of them are, but some are. But those churches in Cuba are not liberal. That's what a little persecution does for you. It makes you seek the Holy Ghost. And this boy was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was so happy to be there with him, Lucy and I, and minister for him. You know, to have a Cuban pastor down there. Foley, Alabama. In L.A., Lower Alabama. That's what they call it. Anyway. We see in the scriptures, God is not a man that he should lie. You can't say, if you're prophetic, what God doesn't say, unless you're a false prophet. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Hey, if God has given you a word of prophecy or promise, if you will humble yourself and seek him with all your heart, he doesn't renege. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, I don't lie and I don't need to repent 
He says, I'll make good on what I've spoken to you. How many of y'all have had a word from God? You know what? Do not let it go. Do not give up on that word transpiring. Because he said, I will keep my word. I will make it so. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. So Balaam could not reverse the blessing. Every time he got up, he wanted to speak ill of the Israelites. But you know what? There was no amount of money that he could get that could let him do it. He had to say what God told him. And so he just had to speak it. And he said, God won't reverse it. He is, let me see, how far am I going? Through 22? Okay. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob. Iniquity, if you go to Psalm 51, I believe it is, you don't have to right now, but there it talks about transgressions, iniquities, and sin. It's a three-stage level of going into the ditch. The first thing is a transgression. That's when you make a mistake. You sin, you do something. But the second thing is iniquity. That's if you keep doing the same sin over and over and over. That means you have, uh, you have gone against the boundaries God has put into place. You know, you can't be a good businessman and lie and cheat. That's transgression. Then you've got to repent. But then if you don't, you keep doing it. That's an iniquity. So he's, he's saying, I haven't seen iniquity in Jacob. He's not talking about one person. He's talking about them as a group of people. Nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Israel was the name Prince of God. <coughs> That's when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And his hip came out of socket. And he said, bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. And so he blessed him. But he always walked with a limp after that. You can transgress and sometimes you end up with a limp. But it doesn't mean you have to stay in iniquity. And he's saying he hasn't seen wickedness in Israel. Now we know people did wickedness in the, in the wilderness. But he's saying as a whole... The people's hearts are not bad. The Lord his God is with him. And I like this. I, we actually had a song out of this. And the shout of a king is among them. Lord, our God is with us, for a shout of the king is among us. Wow. I tell you what. Jesus Christ, when he returns on a white horse with all the saints of glory, there's going to be a shout of a king, and that's going to reverberate and shake this whole earth. But he says, God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. Anyway, to make the long story short, we have a word of promise and blessing. He's going to bring them through. And we're going to see the next point is purpose is always under attack by your enemies. How many know you got a purpose? I have a purpose to preach, prophesy, pray to heal the sick, pray to destroy diseases, pray for miracles. That's a purpose in my life. 
And I tell you what, we have anointings. I was reading that book about John Wimber that Sister Connie Dawson, Dr. Dawson, wrote. And I was reading about John Wimber. He started the Vineyard Movement, which kind of came out of Calvary Chapel at one point because he had to align with somebody when he came out of the Brethren Church or whatever it was that he was in. And he ended up aligning with uh, Chuck Smith, and then he ventured out, and they started the Vineyard Movement, which they had a lot of great music, too. And Chuck Smith had the Maranatha music. We had a lot of good praise and worship movement. Seems like a lot of good praise and worship comes out of every new move of God, and you see it happen. And so we have, you know, a lot of greatness that comes out of this. But John Wimber, before he started letting God really use him, he let him use him some, and then he backed off because the denomination frowned on their ministers being used with word of knowledge and such. But his wife was really against the Holy Spirit gifts until the Lord touched her and changed her and filled her with the Holy Ghost. And then she felt bad because her husband had kind of squelched his giftings, although he was working, I think, with Fuller Theological Seminary on church growth and was traveling around teaching on church growth. But she said she knew those gifts were supposed to operate. So in the middle of his sleep one night, she had a a shoulder that bothered her for quite a while. And she said, well, Lord, I'm going to test this. She said, I'm going to put his hand on my shoulder and I'm going to ask you to heal me through the gift you've got in his life. So she took John Wimber's hand and put it on her shoulder while she laid there. His hand got really hot, and her shoulder got healed completely. And she woke up the next morning, and uh, I don't remember what he said exactly, but she said, yeah, you laid, I had your hand on my shoulder, and I got healed last night. said, you need to start letting God use your, those gifts in your life again. And so then he ventured out, and that's when they kind of left that movement and got into the flow in a house church, and then it grew into a bigger thing. Then they got lined up with Chuck Smith, and then they got into a bigger auditorium, and the thing just exploded. But, you know, he had the gifts of healing. And, you know, I have, my hand gets hot when I pray for people that are sick, when I pray for people that need to be healed. And I can put my hand on my wife's back or shoulder and uh, in the middle of the night or something, and I just put it there. And I can feel my hand just getting red hot. And then she'll kind of move like she wants me to take my hand off of her. You know? And uh, sometimes she'll say, yeah, your hand was twitching last night when you put it on me. No, it wasn't twitching. It was pulsating. It was going, <laughs> you know, by the power of God. But she said it was twitching. It was waking her up anyway. So I've, I've kind of tried not to experiment too much more with it. (laughs) You aren't terrible, I'm just saying. It happens, you know. I feel it, just my hand getting that way. But that's what happens when I'm praying for people. My hand gets hot. But it's not for us to hoard to ourselves. There are others that are gifted to lay hands on the sick. 
And that's one thing the Lord told me after I went to Nigeria and got prayed for by that prophet that moved so mightily in miracles. You know, he told me, the Lord told me, because he asked me, he said, do you have the grace to operate in miracles? I said, I don't know, but I'd like to try. And so I prayed three days, and the Lord spoke to me out in Kastrikum, uh, Holland, the Netherlands, staying at her sister's house there. And he said, always give the glory to Jesus, number one. And secondly, pray for others to impart that gift for them to also move in healing. So many times I've done that. I, I started having people come to the building in South Florida, drive up, ask the secretary. Had a Puerto Rican secretary, Sister Regina. She had a strong accent. She said, Pastor, there's somebody else here again. And it'd be a Haitian pastor. I don't know why, but I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop and see the man of God in this place. And he'd come in. I said, well, I know what it's about. Give me your hand. I'd take it and I'd pray. I'd see them sometimes just be blown out of their chair, you know, just wham, on the floor they'd go. I said, we got another one, Lord. And then another day, Pastor, there's another man here to see you. I said, well, send him in. I said, what's your name? And they'd tell me. And he said, I'm from Honduras. I don't know why, but I was driving by this place. Holy Spirit told me to stop and see the man of God. And so, you know, I'd pray for him, and God would touch him. And just over and over, many times, many places I'd go minister, tell the story, and then lots of ministers run up and want me to, you know, pray for them to receive. And I should, because the more I give away, the more God gives me. So it's a pretty awesome thing, really. But purpose is always under attack. i got a little bit of time here. So let's go to the book of Acts 16, 5. It says, So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You know, although we're called to preach, sometimes God tells you not to go somewhere. Why is that? Well, maybe dangerous. It may be that those people are not quite ready yet. You know, when Jonah didn't want to go, God made him go. He made a big whale swallow him up or a big fish. He was in there three days. He turned white as a sheet from all those acids. That's my take on it. I've never heard a theologian say that. But I just kind of think about it. All those stomach acids in that great fish on Jonah's body, and when he was spewed out, I think he was bleached. And you know what? He had to go. Nineveh was up where the Kurds are, north Iraq close to Turkey. And those people are dark-skinned people. So you can imagine when this guy gets spewed out on the beach and he walks into town, he's whiter than Dave's shirt back there and probably his hair is all bleached out wild and he says, Repent! Repent! Man, they thought Moses had showed up or something. But scared him half to death. It was the right time for him to go there. And so God made that fish swallow him up, 
and carry them all the way to the beach of Nineveh and deposit them there. So he, he went in and obeyed God begrudgingly. He wasn't even happy when they all repented. You're talking about an evangelist that had a problem. Jonah had a problem. He obeyed God after all because God made him and then God used him in spite of himself. So that's a pretty awesome story, I think. But we see, and I have something to say along with this. What did I have to say along with this? Did I read all my verses yet? No, okay, let me keep going then. All right. So as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem, the apostles, creed or whatever, decrees. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through, okay, they were forbidden. Let me go on, seven. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So see, God still doesn't always let you go somewhere. You might have a prison ministry, but it's not your time to go there yet. Anyway, so passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I've been to Macedonia with Ken Summerall, Ron Kelly, and a few others. I think Dave was with me, too. <clears throat> and we went there to Macedonia, and we actually ate at a seafood place, ate some fish. But there it was, north of Albania. It's right there in the heartbeat of Eastern Europe. And said, let's see, I'm going through verse 12. Thank you, Philip. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So see, you see certain ones, Galatia, you have the book of Galatians, you have Philippi, the book of Philippians. You have these different books in the New Testament that were written to people in these cities where Paul went and helped start churches. And so we see something here. What's my point? Success follows God's direction. We got ideas of our own sometimes. You know, sometimes preachers, they say, oh, I want to go south for the winter. I'm, I think I'm going to call my friends in Florida. You know, but it doesn't always work. You know, you need to go where God sends you. Somebody's got to go to Alaska. Dave used to live in, what, Montana? Man, that's cold up there. Somebody's got to go to Montana. You know, I don't know that I want to go. But anyway, God, I shouldn't have said that. You're just probably going to send me now. You know, but, uh, you know, you got to go where God directs you. Where God guides, he provides. You have success when you follow God's direction. You know what? It's getting a little bit later. Uh, do you mind if I hold this till next week and finish it next week? Okay.
then I'm going to do that, not because I don't want to keep speaking, but I don't want to hurry and do it all because I've wrote it down on a piece of paper. Amen? Have you got enough tonight, though, to see that God, He loves you, and if you love Him, He's going to work out all things for you, no matter what you went through sickness or tumor or whatever God is with you to deliver you out of and into he wants to deliver you into your ministry into your purpose to be useful to him and use your gifts and talents to bring glory to Christ so stand with me and know this as God gives direction and he's brought you here for something. So he's got something for you with Heartland Christian Family Church and beyond. We're so happy for God's Powerhouse partnering with us. You know, they do a great job with the women's ministry and prophetic ministry to those who need ministering on Sunday afternoons. they got a great building now. I need to come and look at it. And we're going to have a dedication sometime or what? Like you really want it? Well, I hope you invite me to be a part of that. Okay. Me and Pastor Zach and whoever else you deem should. But uh, we're, we're very grateful for all of you and your giftings and for what you mean to him and us and for the kingdom. I tell you what, I'm grateful for these Ladies that get together on Friday mornings and do the prayer. I tell you what, without prayer, your ministry has no power. I mean, you can pray yourself and you can go minister places, but to minister as a church, you need the power of God and many people to be operating. So I encourage you to get in the flow and seek God. Yield your heart to Him. And say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. And that might be driving across town and talking to somebody and that he puts on your heart. But we pray for God to use us. Lord, just use us. Use each one of us. Touch each one of us. And fill us up with your Holy Spirit to overflow. And help us be all that we can be for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. And anybody that needs a touch of God tonight, they need a healing touch, I ask you to minister to them and flow into their bodies. Take away pain, take away sickness, take away disease, and Lord, allow them to function with power such as never before. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody sit. Amen. Hallelujah. All right.